Good morning, good evening, good afternoon. Welcome to episode number 5A. Uh, in this episode, I am joined by Peter Deswood of 21st Century Native Leaders. Uh, it is a podcast about Native American culture and uh, Navajo culture. Uh, in this episode, Peter and I discuss and talk about Navajo culture, and um, I do hope you guys enjoy this show as much as I did. Uh, remember, folks, to follow us on Facebook and Instagram at Culturepology, and if you're listening on Apple Podcasts, please leave a five-star review if you are enjoying this show. Uh, now, a little bit of information. We did get cut off uh, about halfway through our interview and so the episode does kind of end abruptly. Uh, but we did re-record and the episode will continue a little bit later. I'm your host, Nick Smith, and this is Culture College. Welcome to episode. Oh, let me restart to that. <laughs> I'm sure that happens to you too. Oh yeah, quite often. <laughs> when I, I know when I when I record my intros, I'm like, oh, nope, messed up that one. Nope, messed up. Uh, nope, the wrong number. <laughs> yeah. So I know what welcome you mean. to episode number five of Culture Apology. Today we are joined by Peter of the Navajo Nation. And uh, Peter, do you want to say hello to everyone? Yes. Hello, everyone. Uh, I hope you're out there listening. Love the show. Awesome. Thank you. Um, so let's start off. Let's let's give our listeners a little bit of background about you and where you came from and come from. And I know your podcast as well. Absolutely. Well, let me do my Navajo introduction. I think that's a big part of, yeah. of Navajo people. Yate, Shea, Peter Desert, the third Yin Shia. So again, thank you for having me. I did my Navajo clan introduction. That's a, a big part of who we are as Navajo people um, in Navajo. Uh, we say Dian, we're, we're the Dian, we're the holy people. Yes. Um, so that means we are the holy people. Um, so that's how we recognize ourselves. So a lot of uh, what I talk about, um, you know, through my podcast as well is exploring the dynamics of uh, native people, um, in particular Navajo people living in mainstream society in the United States and exploring those dynamics. So um, a lot of my guests start out with their clan introductions uh, because, you know, that's how we, how we relate to people. And like we talked about a little bit earlier about relations and, and listening. Um, that's a big part of uh, our culture. So in Navajo, we call it ke. So it's a K with an E with a little, I don't know what the little glottal on top of it. But uh, a lot of that has to do with um, who we are as a people those relationships. And when I did my clan introduction, you know, I talk about me first, right? Who I am. Mm -hmm. And then I go into my lineage. Um, my, we are a matrilineal culture. So, um, we, we take on our mother's clan. So my mother's clan, um, is, is touchy. And that goes back my mother's 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 clan. Okay. So, um, that's, that's how we identify ourselves. And then second is our father's clan. So mm -hmm. my father's clan is, is, um, Kivichini. And, uh, so that again, my, on my dad's side, he, he takes on his mother's culture. So, mm -hmm. um, that's how we, that's how we relate with each other. And then the third one is, I say my, my, my mom's, my mom's, uh, dad's clan. And then lastly, I say my, my dad's dad's clan. 
my okay. grandpa. For us, we say shinale. That means my nali. And then for my mom's side, we say we say shiche. Okay, and that's uh, that's uh, my mom's. That's how we understand how we're related to people. For example, um, I do uh, I do adjunct at our community college. Uh, it's called Dene College. Mm-hmm. It's the oldest running um, community college for, for uh, indigenous people or tribal communities. So I adjunct there and a gentleman brought me a textbook for a class I'm teaching. And we introduce ourselves by clans and we identify that clan relationship. And he turns out to have my, my dad's, uh, my grandpa's clan. So then I would say, Oh, so then he's my nulla. And then he would call me a nulla as well. So with that, that's how we identify how we are related in mm-hmm. this world. And uh, there's, there's a lot of depth in there as far as being a matrilineal culture. So a, a lot of what happens uh, with Navajo people, you know, being, being uh, a matrilineal culture, typically a lot of the decisions and a lot of the, the, the say-so, the decision-making is with mm-hmm. uh, the woman or the, the, the female figure. Right. And so although there's, there's been a conflict because of colonialism and yes. back in the 1930s and 1940s, the, the American government said in order to be recognized, uh, you're going to have to create a tribal council to negotiate oil contracts, material contracts. So because of the extraction of minerals, uh, they forced uh, the Navajo people to create a tribal council to make these, to have a decision-making body. Okay. So because of that, so then so there's been a conflict between the, the, the male and female roles, right? So Right. Yeah. And that's, male. that's something that I've, I've read is, you know, in the past it was very, the gender roles were very harmonious with each other. So exactly. it wasn't, you know, one, dominant gender it was yes there was certain things that women did and certain things that men did but it was a very harmonious relationship between those gender roles and because of like you said cultural uh, uh, colonization it's it's kind of been forced to change a little bit because of of the american government yes that's absolutely true so um, you know, you look at those dynamics, right? And, you know, you talk about gender roles and, um, you know, there's, there was distinct things that happened. And in fact, in our, in our creation story, right, there was, there was a conflict between the males and females mm-hmm. and, you know, women thought they were more important. Men thought they were more important to, to, to the Nebo people, right? Mm-hmm. So they ended up the, um, I think, I can't remember if it was the male or the females, but the, but the women, I think the women ended up moving across uh, to an island oh. right, or across uh, across the river. Mm-hmm. So they lived with, apart from each other. And then what ended up happening was in our creation story, uh, the Navajo people started to die off, right? Because they weren't together. Right. They weren't uh, creating life. And um, so, you know, so then with that, they said, you know what, there's, there are distinct roles that happen. I know some, a, a lot of times uh, within our traditions and our culture and our, and our stories, uh, there are, there are some taboos that are in place that kind of indicate those roles. For, uh, for example, even whenever a, a, uh, a Navajo wedding occurs, right. There's, there's a, there's a, there's, a th- there's some things that take place. For example, the, the male ends up the, being adopted into the, the woman's family. Right. Oh. So, so it's like the you know in in the in a lot of other cultures it's the other way around right, right. The, the 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 women come into the male's family but it's the other direction mm-hmm. so because of that um, the the woman's family typically asks say well I want two horses uh, mm-hmm. ten sheep um, I want um, three or four wedding baskets so they decide um, then they they decide how much they want uh, for 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 the for the marriage right Right. so they ask for stuff okay so then um in 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 a sense that's to to me the way i looked at it is that's for for the new couple to to start a marriage right to start the the marriage with some assets right i guess we could say assets but in navajo we say yoda 
which means wealth. Uh, in fact, in our Navajo prayer, we say, which means we will grow with wealth in, in, in essence. Okay. So there's, there's different ways to interpret it. And, and let me just clarify this preface this as well is <clears throat> I'm not an expert on Navajo. Right. I, I'll just talk about my experience um, because there are, there are definitely regional differences um, in a lot of uh, these stories, because again, we, we, I come from an oral culture. Right. So a lot of our, a lot of our teachings are oral. Um, but, but this is, this is my experience and this is the way I was taught. And with that in mind, I think that's why I said, let me preface it because, you know, I'm only, I'm only 44 years old. And if an elder were to hear this, they would say, who are you to talk about us? (laughs) You you know what I'm saying? Because I I do. And it's, 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 you know, it's interesting because that's, that's the thing is with, and with all cultures is depending on the region. It, it does change slightly um, from, you know, any cultures. You know, I, I spoke to a couple episodes ago to Maddie from India and, you know, the culture in South India is different than Northern India or Eastern or Western. And, you know, depending on where you go, it does change slightly. So I, you know, I can understand, I mean, it's, the Navajo nation is, is a pretty large nation and, you know, I, I can see where it can, it can vary slightly from, you know, region to region. Yeah. And that's, that's correct. So landmass size, it's about this, it's about the size of the state of West Virginia. Okay. Mm-hmm. Just to give you a size. And there's 350,000 Navajos right now that, that live on, on or that actually on the census, mm-hmm. um, I'm not too sure exactly the numbers of Navajos that live on the reservation, but there's a significant amount that live off, which I live off the reservation. I live on a border town, which is, which is a town that borders is on the border of the Navajo reservation. Oh, okay. Um, but yeah, there's, and I think the reason why I say that is because I think um, the way to talk about the, the Navajo beliefs, you know, it's a journey, right? And remember right. how I said it's matrilineal. So if there's things that I don't know, I call my mom, right? My, and then I always go to my mom. Like I go to my mom for, I ask her mom, what does this mean? Like what, what, do I, what, what prayer do I have to have as far as like spirituality is concerned? Mm-hmm. Um, like with our beliefs, I'll go to my mom. And if my mom doesn't know, she goes to my grandmother. Um, and so then just to find the answers, um, a lot of the, a lot of ceremonies uh, happen at the on on my mom's side. If it's my family, then it's my mom's side. Um, but mm-hmm. that that's, that just goes to show you the dynamic in the. In fact, uh, in Navajo, we have these they call them which is mountain dirt, right? There, there are prayer bundles whenever Navajos have prayers, and they, mm-hmm. there are bundles that they have, and they take bundles from the four sacred mountains uh, that 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 are on the north, uh, east, south, and west of the Navajo Nation. One of them is north of me um, uh, here in Colorado. One of them is east uh, in towards eastern New Mexico. And then one of them is uh, south by, by, by uh, Grants, New Mexico. And then our west mountain is in Flagstaff. So oh, okay. San Francisco Peaks, right? that's our, our west mountain. So those, those prayer bundles that they take sand from, are kept with the the clan, the clan mother, right? So okay. that's where the power of of what we do comes from from the female uh, clan lineage. So and right. say, a lot of times they say, "Oh, that's the my dad's family has that mountain dirt, or my hmm. mom's family has that mountain mountain dirt." So in order to, for example, in order for a family to be a medicine person, they have to go through, there's, I mean, it's a lifelong process. And that's right. what I'm getting to is what, that's what I'm saying. I'm only 44. Like, I don't know everything. Right. And if I have questions or if I have anything or, or misunderstanding, you know, you go to, you go to an elder because mm-hmm. they're the keepers. They're the keepers of the knowledge. Right. Right. And, but just to share my story and, and put my, my twist on this. Um, but, you know, going back to, to our, 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 our medicine people, right. Um, you know, they, they have to go through a process where it's a, an extensive, uh, you know, you you become a journeyman and then you go through and you have, you, you go, it's like, you know, 
15, 20 years of uh, being an understudy to a, a medicine uh, person and understanding the songs and prayers and, and how to, how to do uh, the ceremonies. Okay. Mm-hmm. So, um, but, but I mean, it, you know, to talk a little bit more about our, our spirituality, um, we have a term in our, in, in, in Navajo, it's called Hojan. Uh, you know, that's, that's the state of balance of things. Okay. Uh, so whenever we, whenever say, whenever we talk about Hojan, it's like, um, there's, there's peace, right? You mm-hmm. want peace. Um, in Navajo, it's, you don't want to be too much, too happy. Uh, you don't want to be too sad. You want to be Hojan. Okay. Right. And that's, you know, when I was doing a little bit of research, I, I, that's one of the things that I saw, um, kind of learned about was that, that balance, everything in the Navajo culture, there's a balance for it. So for women, there's a balance of men for some of the elements, there's a balance of other elements and everything within the culture is something is to there to balance it out. That, that is absolutely correct. Um, and that, that balance is what you, what you, you, I guess you try to attain, um, and, and you learn to attain as you go through life, right? Um, mm-hmm. you, know, you, you go through the circle of life and, you know, that's, that's where you try to attain to, um, um you know, to me, a, a lot of times I, when I was in undergrad, I, I studied a lot of Western or, or religions of, of the world mm-hmm. and it reminded me of, uh, the yin and the yang, right? There's, there's a balance that happens right there. In mm-hmm. fact, in our Navajo prayer, there's, uh, there's this, there's a part of it that says, um, remember that I said, is in there. Well, mm-hmm. it's in, in a, one of the first lines of our, of our Navajo prayer. And, and by the way, there's different versions of the Navajo prayer, but I'm, I'm talking, there's some, there's some unique, there's some, um, parts that are the same, but there's mm-hmm. people that add different parts to it. But the way my dad um, taught me was, um, you know, right. I am and trying to be in balance because if you look at the Navajo culture, there's, there's a, there's a, there's a piece of it where there's, there's, there's the good in Navajo culture, but there's also bad. Right. Mm-hmm. And that's why I said that yin and yang um, reminds me of, of how, Navajo culture is right. You want to be right in the middle and walk that. And in Navajo, we say the corn pollen path. Okay. And traditional Navajos use corn pollen in the morning when the sun comes up to you to go out and pray to the east, right? Because that's mm-hmm. where in, in our culture, they say that's where life is giving. That's where that first spark of life happened. If we don't have that sun, mm-hmm. right, we can't be warm. That sun in, in our culture represents the fire, right? Right. So, when that spark first happened, and um, and if you look, if you think about, if you go back and study our, our Navajo creation story, it was that spark that happened, mm-hmm. and it created air, and there was a spark that happened, and that's how Navajo people were yeah, born. I um, and that's you know something that something else that I I actually took some notes, and it was it said you know four the four main elements of Earth was rain, light, air, and pollen. So, yep, that's right. Yeah. So pollen represents our earth. So, in fact, whenever we say our prayer, we say Shemana Hasta, right? That's our that's our mother earth, right? Mm-hmm. Because that's and, and if you think about it, that's our mother because our mother gives us life. So initially, the mother gave us life, but it doesn't happen without the father. So then we have Father Sky. But in our creation story, um, the the Father Earth and Mother Sky kind of are on are on opposite, they're polar opposites, mm-hmm. right? But but the thing is, us us earth walking people, right? Well, us earth dwellers, um, we're in between our mother and our our father. Mm-hmm. So we're in between there, and, and that's where we see earth, and that's kind of how we look at it. So um, going back to to the to the teachings, and and that's why I'm saying like it's, it's a way of life, right? It's for us. And that's why I said, I'm only 44, right? I, I, I only have my experiences, but, but I have to complete the entire journey. Then you become a Sani or a toy, meaning you're, you're an older, you're an elder. And then you've gone through all of these different stages. So the true, 
knowledge keepers are elders because they, they've been through the various uh, stages of life and they understand. It. And that's why a lot of times we go to our elders for, for advice. Um, but keep in mind though, like I was saying, because of, because of uh, colonialism back uh, initially with the, with the Spanish, mm-hmm. right back in the, uh, I think it was 16, 1700s. Don't, don't quote me on that part, but <laughs> it was, it was when the Spanish first came to New Mexico. So however, whatever, whenever Santa Fe was first uh, made a capital of um, the, the empire over here. Uh, so then they started having interactions with, uh, with Navajo people. Right. So, um, but there was a, there, ever since, like I was saying, colonialism started to happen. Um, we ended up having, we do have a third of Navajos that are, that are Christian, you know, the mm-hmm. various denominations of Christianity. Uh, we do have a, we do have another third of Navajos that practice a native American church, which is, which is, um, peyote, right. Using the peyote, okay. um, uh, medicine, uh, to, to, um, you know, to, to pray, uh, mm-hmm. to, to reach enlightenment, to, to open your mind up to, um, to the higher, to the higher creator, um, which that was an influence from the, uh, the Plains Indians. Mm-hmm. So, um, a lot of times, uh, there's, there's a lot of, I guess, cross pollination of, of, of culture and, and beliefs, uh, within the Navajo people and, and, and our surrounding tribes like the Ute, to the north of us, uh, the Apache to the to the east of us. Actually, there's pa- Apaches all around us. And, and just so everyone knows, the language the Navajo people speak is the Athabascan language. I guess it's the dialect Athabascan. Mm-hmm. So the Apache have the same dialect that Navajos have, or we have the same. We all speak Athabascan. All right. If you mm-hmm. go up north into Canada and you go up into Alaska, they have the Athabascan yep. uh, tribes up there. And a lot of times, uh, if you hear them speak, you'll, I'll be able to pick out words that they're saying. Similarly with, the, with our Apache, uh, neighbors, um, mm-hmm. even the Apache in Arizona, uh, the whenever they speak, uh, we have the same dialect. So, um, we come from the same, same language family. Um, right. So there's, yeah. And that's, that's interesting too, because, you know, linguistics, uh, anthropology, it studies that that line of languages and, and where it may be derived from. And it's interesting to see all, all the different branches from this one language throughout, you know, different um, native American people. And you have some in Canada, you have some down South here and it's all over the place. And it's interesting to see where, where that line came from. Yeah, absolutely. In fact, um, I remember seeing on maps, there's a, there's a, a tribe or a group of people in Mexico uh, called the Navajoa, mm-hmm. right? Uh, if you look on early maps of uh, indigenous people, um, you can see it. And, and I'm assuming they're uh, probably a group of, uh, of Athabascans um, went down towards Mexico as well and settled there. So I think that's one thing that I wanted to emphasize is uh, the sharing of, of uh, culture. In fact, uh, quite a few Navajos. And when I was younger too, I used to participate in powwows, mm-hmm. which, which is a, uh, you know, Plains influence as well. Uh, so, <clears throat> so there's a lot of picking up of, of, of different um, languages and, and um, you know, for example, there's, there's net, there's about 10 or 12 Navajo words that, uh, that are similar to the Spanish language, like, mm-hmm. uh, like for example, cheese, uh, they say Montiquia and Navajo. We say Montiquia, right? It's it's the same. Or money for us is, is uh, in Navajo is peso, but in Spanish it's peso, mm-hmm. right? So there's twelve words. I don't remember all of them, but but there's twelve words that are there's a there's an overlap uh, with with because of the because of this because of the influence. This, in fact, uh, right. a lot of our elders, you know, that actually that have passed on. For for example, my my grandpa's generation. Could speak Ute, could speak Navajo, oh, could wow. speak Spanish, could speak English, because of trading, right? Because mm-hmm. of uh, the trading of goods, and um, you know, in order to live and survive, so they had to trade, um, you know, for for to live. So, right. um, but I mean, I think I think um, you know, you, you look at it, and um, 
you know, you, a lot of it is based on that principle of care and understanding those relationships. And here's the, here's the thing that I always found fascinating is like, you have to have care and and balance with your, with your, your minerals, right? Your, mm-hmm. your elements, right? You can't have too much fire, right? Because if you have too much fire, right, you, you burn, right? You right. burn yourself. Right. And, um, if you have too much water, then you drown. So and air, you can't have too much air. You can't have too much earth. Like in, in Navajo, they say, if you hit the earth really hard, like mm-hmm. it takes your breath out, right? There's a collision that happens mm-hmm. right there. So, so again, that's why they say you have to reach that, reach that state and that balance. Okay. And I think, you know, a lot of, a lot of times whenever I think about um, the Navajo prayer, which is, and, and, and a lot of times, you know, Navajos will say, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm traditional Navajo meaning, you you pray with corn pollen, right? And that's in the morning you pray with corn pollen. At midday you pray with uh, um, white corn, mm-hmm. and then in the in the evening, I'm not too sure which one it was in the evening. But you pray when the sun comes up, when it's midday, and then when the sun goes down. So there's there's definitely um, there's a a pattern a pattern to the way um, things are within you know to to maintain that balance that right. we're talking about. So. And I think a lot of our our festivals and traditions, mm-hmm. um, you know, they're they're based on 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 our our way of lives, right? A lot of our ceremonies um, are based on the the um, the, the the four seasons. Mm-hmm. Uh, for example, we're in winter right now, so we have specific winter ceremonies that happen, like. Uh, like the fire dance um, that happens in the winter, which is a nine night ceremony. Oh, wow. um, let's see, but there's certain ceremonies that are for specific time. And it's based on, based on the, I, I don't know what it's called. The, the solar, the way the, the, the earth moves around the, the sun or mm-hmm. the, yeah, the earth moves around the sun. Um, and then also within that, um, you know, we, we, we have, we have cultural, or social dances, one of them is like the powwow, even though it's not, it didn't come from Navajo people, right. but we participate in that. And then there's also, we have song and dances, which kind of, kind of are, is a spinoff. It's a social, it's a social dance. So they have, we have song and dances throughout the calendar year. Mm-hmm. Uh, but, um, but then there, that kind of came off of the, 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 uh, the, the summer um, ceremony. The summer ceremony is uh, the the song and dance. Okay, mm-hmm. and that by the way, or not the song and dance, they call it the squaw dance. Okay. And I, I don't know how they got the term of the squaw dance, which right. in in a lot of native communities, you know, whenever you say squaw, it's a derogatory term. Oh, um, but in, in in Navajo, we say dot right, and dot means that it means the squaw dance, and it's the summer nine ways nine night ceremony. Oh wow! Okay, what so, happens in those in those ceremonies? Well, so the, 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 there's, there's different types of these ceremonies. So the, the Nida or the, the squaw dance that in, in the, in the English language, that one is called the enemy way ceremony. So in, in our culture, there's the, there's the, the healing way. And then mm-hmm. there's the, there's the enemy way, right? We have these different um, types of ceremonies that we have. And that particular one is for, for people who have had contact, like if they went into the military and they came back, or if they've had conflict with uh, with um, outside people from 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 the from the nation, right? Mm-hmm. But it's a it's a returning ceremony. This means you're coming back, and then you go through this uh, these ceremonies to uh, to heal yourself. Because very similar, uh, I don't know if you remember me saying earlier, like if you hit the earth really hard. Right. It takes your breath away. Yeah. It takes your breath away, and what happens there is our our human spirit interacts and collides with the Earth spirit, mm-hmm. right? So, what's stronger, the Earth spirit? <laughs> so, what starts to happen, and and this is the the spirit. This is that component where the Earth spirit starts to pull you, starts to pull your soul to the Earth, mm-hmm. right? And very similarly with with the four elements, if you do too much of it, your 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 spirit, our human spirit, which is really you know it, it's not very strong, right? Because you know human life is 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 precious, but it starts to pull that spirit to whichever element you collide with. Very similarly, that occurs with with um, with uh, what do you call them? 
with our enemies, mm-hmm. right? With, with, with animals, they say. And in Navajo, some of the taboo animals are like snakes, right? Mm-hmm. And a lot of times our, our, our spirit can't, can't interact and be with, be together with that spirit. And, and, and it's a lot stronger than ours. Right. And of course, you know, if, if you're bitten in our, in our area, we have rattlesnakes, right? So if you're, if yeah. you interact with or collide with a rattlesnake, it's going to bite you. So uh, you end up, it ends up taking you, right? It yeah. takes your life. So a lot of it is, is based on that collision. So our ceremonies are based on that. And what, it, what those ceremonies try to do is to, to put you back in balance. Like for example, if you hit the earth, Mm-hmm. then you have to have a ceremony where your spirit is pulled away from the earth spirit. Right. Mm-hmm. So then you're in balance with it. So you're in between the earth and uh, the sky. Okay. Right. Um, so um, I, I missed another one of the uh, more uh, comprehensive uh, winter ceremonies, which is, which is the Yebiche dance, um, which the Yeis are, 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 is our, like our, our talking God. And that's, that's, that's the, that's the sky. Mm-hmm. Right. So we have these, these deities that um, that keep us, I guess, keep us safe and keep us um, in order. I guess mm-hmm. keep us in hajan, keep us in balance. Okay, so um, but that's our ceremonies are based on that, and then we do have another big ceremony. There's there's a lot of there's actually quite a few different ceremonies that happen um, that that the Navajos uh, believe in. There's um, like I talked about. There's a fire dance, which is a which is a pretty extensive one. Actually, my um, one of my um, one of my aunts on my dad's side was uh, one of the only female um, uh, fire dance keepers. Okay, mm-hmm. so she she performed the nine night ceremony, and these are extensive ceremonies. These nine night ceremonies, right? You know, can easily cost fifteen to twenty thousand oh, dollars monetarily. Wow. Like if you think of it, in, if you have money, right, uh, in cash, but but it takes a community to for these to happen, and a lot of times. Um, you know, this is where that comes into, comes into play. And in fact, people get on the radio stations uh, like KTNN, KDN, KNDN, uh, you know, these border, border town radio stations mm-hmm. where they broadcast on the Navajo Nation and they'll get on there and say the, um, for example, I, well, I won't use me, but, <laughs> but, but they'll say, oh, so-and-so is having a, uh, a, a fire dance, uh, squad dance or a, Yebiche dance. Uh, they are from the, I don't know, Tkabanhe clan. So anybody related to Tkabanhe, so, you know, we need some help to, to put these on. Right. Um, so, so that's that. That's how that comes into practice. That relationship. So then people help each other out by you know bringing mm-hmm. bringing sheep or or cows or or um, um, produce. Right? right. If it's in the, in the in the harvest time, they'll bring corn squash beans uh, to help out and, and flour things of that nature um but but they're more extensive and those are the those are the big ones okay those mm-hmm. are the big ceremonies um we do have a ceremony as well for for um coming of age ceremonies um i'm sure you 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 people have read quite extensively about about uh the kinalta which is the navajo women's puberty ceremony um, mm-hmm. Meaning, when they come of age or when they first menstruate, there's a ceremony that happens um, for women celebrating um, womanhood and and becoming a woman. And again, that's one of the that's one of the big ceremonies as well. And, and um, there's uh, there's um, that particular ceremony is is a spinoff of the Hojonje, which is the beauty way, right? Mm-hmm. In Navajo, and if you read about Navajo culture, they talk about the beauty way. That's the Hojonje, and they call it Hojonje Pajin, which is, again, it's a, a five-night, five I believe, ceremony, okay? Mm-hmm. And very similar, the, the Kinalta, or the puberty ceremony, um, that one is uh, same. It's a four-night ceremony. Actually, they're both four. I don't know why I said five, but, but it's a four-night ceremony. Mm-hmm. And um, in, in, in all of these ceremonies, I think whenever – Whenever it comes down to it, what they're doing is they sing about the creation of where we are today, right? Um, they they put us back together. They they sing a song of our of our how we came to be because Navajos came through uh, four four worlds um, and we're on the fifth world right now. Okay, so we went through these different levels to arrive at who we are right now. Okay, so. They, they recreate us. They recreate our people. 
and they 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 tell the story of how we came to exist and they put in in a sense in essence they kind of take us apart and then okay. put us back yeah. together piece by piece with with our with our head and and our head cease our thinking our brain and then our spirit and then they put us back together and and a lot of times remember how i said whenever you have those ceremonies where you collide with a force right right what they do is they 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 recreate you and then they say this one isn't a part of us this isn't a part of this person this isn't a part of the being okay. so you're separating and that's how you come to be again and then then you begin to heal that's but really a lot of the ceremonies yeah the, you're you're recreating uh, your person because you're, mm-hmm. if you think about it you're going back into your lineage right whatever your clans are and you're putting them together and making yourself whole again okay so all those ceremonies are like that in in and even even the uh, the kinalta it goes through and, and creates the journey of uh, first first woman, uh, mm-hmm. you know, because she's the one that first in our story, our changing woman is the first person that put um, our hero twins on Earth, right? So then um, that was the first, I guess, mother that 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 created the Navajo people. At least that's how it goes in our in our 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 creation story. Mm-hmm. So um, and again. Um, Clothing and stuff like that. I think it, it's clothing is very unique to to regions. Um, mm-hmm. You know, we, we are a lot of the the Navajo reservation is above five thousand four hundred feet. Right. So we're it's very arid. Um, mm-hmm. There's there's it's a lot of mountainous regions as well. Um, we're pretty high in elevation. Uh, because of that, the scenery is absolutely beautiful. Oh, you can I'm see sure, yeah. the you can see the Kianta red rocks. Uh, we have um, shiprock formations where igneous rock came out of the earth mm-hmm. um, from from volcanic, um, I guess, a volcanic um, where tectonic plates came together and right. um, igneous pushed rock up. came out. It pushed out, yeah, because the the plates. I mean, just north of where I'm at is the Colorado Rockies, the southern part right. of the Colorado Rockies, and then just west of where I'm at is my, my community, which is just uh, probably like 80 miles from me. Mm-hmm. And there's mountains over there as well. So uh, very, very outdoor, um, outdoor things to do. Um, there's a lot of, there's been a big emphasis of running. And I mean, a lot of people can read that um, indigenous communities or native communities within the United States struggle with obesity. So mm-hmm. there's a big push for outdoor activities and, uh, you know, outdoor events and, um, running and hiking and, and there's been a big push lately for biking within within okay. the uh, the native pe- within the Navajo people out here so that's something that that's pr- pretty unique but but because of the temperatures mm-hmm. um, you know we definitely see the seasons you know in the summers <laughs> it can hit the it can hit the 90s mm-hmm. 100 degrees sometimes I think we usually have about seven to ten hundred degree um, days even though mm-hmm. we are above uh, 5500 feet. Um, but then we have the really brutal winters. Um, yeah. In fact, uh, just recently there was a snowstorm or out on the Navajo reservation. There were some areas that got, you know, a foot, uh, a foot and a half of snow. Oh, wow. Um, so because of that, you know, if you look at our traditional clothing, um, it was made a lot from wool. Uh, mm-hmm. And again, wool uh, coming from the sheep, which the, the Spanish uh, brought to the Navajo people. Mm-hmm. So there was a way we, we're able to produce uh, tapestries, um, you know, that easily sell for fifteen, twenty thousand mm-hmm. dollars. Um, so that's one of the things uh, that Navajos are really well known for is uh, weaving rugs. Yes, and I've I've seen I've seen a lot of them, and they are they are gorgeous. I mean, they are. It's all handcrafted, and it's it's absolutely beautiful. Yep, absolutely. So there's there's a pretty big industry for. Uh, for uh, our Navajo rugs, um, again, like I was saying, there's there's some that have sold for thirty, forty thousand mm-hmm. um, dollars. So we do have a we do have clothing based on that. And I guess before before we were colonized, uh, you know, our Navajo Navajo men as well would wear would wear buckskin mm-hmm. because you know we had a lot of we have a lot of deer in our area and a lot of antelope. Um, so it right. was a lot of you know producing and uh, tanning of uh of those you know those those material mm-hmm. so i think a lot of a lot of uh, how we've 
how Navajos have uh, evolved or come to where we at today. Um, you know, I always talk with people and say, you know, we were such a resilient people that if the Spanish had colonized us, right, we probably would be speaking Spanish, but we'd still be here, right? Right. And, um, or if the French or had, had uh, won, we'd probably be speaking French, but we would still be in this, in, in, in our areas. In that region, this, yeah. this, was, this is our region, right? This is our, well, this is our home and this is uh, what we call Hikea, right? Or this is our land. This is mm-hmm. um, where we've, you know, our, our emergence is just where, in fact, in Navajo, they say, where you crawled out of is just about maybe 40 miles um, south um, of, of where I am towards oh. Albuquerque, New Mexico. So that's where they say because of floods in the, in the previous mm-hmm. worlds, we came out of that area. Right. Mm-hmm. And that's near a, a mountain called uh, which is just like I was saying, south of here. But, you know, you, you think about that. And, and so that's that's how um, I how I see it. I guess that's how I was taught it. And that's how the, the stories that we talk about, the creation stories and a mm-hmm. lot of the prayers. Um, and it's all interconnected. And I, I think that's why I was making the comment that it's it's a life. Right. It's right. You, you learn. You learn as you go and you're learning things and your life experiences as well add to that. Right. And, and that's why I said, whenever you're going through the stages of life, um, you, you really don't know until you're in your old age because then you've experienced all those various aspects. And in right. fact, that's what I, that's what I try to explore with my podcast is those dynamics because we are bicultural. Um, some of us tricultural because we have our own um, traditional um, thoughts, uh, mm-hmm. values, our own culture, our own language, but we exist within the within the United States. Right, um, and so. I, I find that that very interesting because it's, you know, like you said, you're you have your own culture, but then you live inside of another culture, and even that culture has so many different cultures within it as well. You know, I, I live in Southern California. I'm from Southern California and just the dynamic of how many different cultures are here play into, you know, the Southern California culture where it's so much different than even Northern California, you know, so it's, it's, it's really interesting to, to see how all these dynamics happen with, you know, individual people or, or cultures where you live your culture lives within another culture and you have your culture, but then you also have a different culture. Right. Absolutely. And that's the thing that I, like I was saying, I explore with my podcast is because a lot of times there's, uh, there's conflicts that happen, mm-hmm. right? There's internal conflicts because if you think about mainstream, right, it's about you, 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 me, 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 go, yes. go, go. Right. That grinding mentality. Right. But, but the thing is, that's where like with being a traditional Navajo, it's about balance, right? You right. can't just go, 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 go. <laughs> so there's a conflict that happens there. And that's what I try to explore mm-hmm. with my podcast, uh, you know, with leadership as well. Um, but I mean, you, even if you look back right to, to our story and I look at that complexity as well, because, you know, we, we, we exist within this subculture. We're a subculture, right? But but the thing is, we live within a culture that was trying to exterminate us. Yes. Right? Yeah. So, like, because if you think about Native people, we were under the Department of War. Mm-hmm. Right? So we went through these stages of, of um, you know, they, 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 they wanted to assimilate us. Well, actually, initially... They wanted to eradicate us, right? Yes. I mean, if you look in the Constitution, it's written in there that we're these merci- merciless Indian savages, quote, unquote. Uh, yeah, right? the, the, the quote, unquote, the noble savage. And I, yeah, I, I think that's a big part of American history that is, is very bad. <laughs> you right, know, it, right. It, just trying to, like you said, exterminate and then assimilate. Because they, you know, I, I think the, the, even still today, the labeling of our Native American people as a whole is very tarnished. You know, we still have movies that show 
these these savage Indians, these this this warring people when it really wasn't that. You know, I, I mean, yes, there was wars, but everybody's fought wars, but it wasn't. That's what. That's not what the Native American people lived for was war, like they are depicted in in movies and history and TV shows and and all that. And I think it's very, um, it's a very sad thing that it's it hasn't gotten away from that very much. Right, right. I mean, there's. I mean, you're 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 absolutely right. I mean, you you think about it like we like our people have gone through those stages, right? To the, I mean, to the point where, like, oh, we can't, we can't get rid of the, the, the natives, right? Um, and, right, and I think up to 1850s, right, the the Navajo people and the Apache were still in conflict with the federal government, mm-hmm. right? Because, I mean, there was a lot of conflict going on, and then finally they sent Kent Carson out here, and they, they here's a here's a fascinating thing about the whole history is. Even though the United States, you know, was where it was at, um, they they gave they said, "Oh, here's here's things to help you through the assimilation part. Here's things to make you, um, you know, adapt or right. assimilate into our culture." Navajos were thriving, right? Navajos there were there were in, in books that says the Navajos had thousands of sheep flocks of sheep and mm-hmm. cattle and horses livestock and peach and apple orchards and, and you know, they were thriving okay and but the thing was what kit carson did and the u.s government went through and they cut all of our apple trees cherry trees they wanted us to be individualistic which right. we were and then right. they took they took they, they killed our sheep they killed our livestock they rounded us up and they they marched us. They marched my ancestors to Fort Sumner, which is 500 miles uh, towards Texas and right around the mid the mid part of the New Mexico. Right? Mm-hmm. They they marched us into a barren desert. There was no water. There were the the soil was uh, salinated. Mm-hmm. Right? It was you couldn't plant anything. And Navajos had 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 a lifestyle pre colonial where in arroyos, which I'm not too sure if anyone knows what that means, but an arroyo is like a wash, right? Mm-hmm. When there's rain and precipitation, that becomes uh, a, a stream or a river. But because we are very arid in the winter, those arroyos dry up, dry up until monsoon. Well, Navajos used to plant crops in those arroyos or gullies, mm-hmm. and then but they would they would they would rotate based on the the uh, where the precipitation was right based on the pattern of, of you know when i was growing up we had four we had a summer home winter home spring home and a fall home so then mm-hmm. we would move our livestock and our cattle to the, each of these locations because you know one to prevent overgrazing right so if you right. think about the range and land management that's to, to prevent overgrazing okay and but then you think about it and then they forced us to a place where we can't even do any of that right and and I think we were decimated to like only, I think eight or eight thousand or so Navajos uh, ended up surviving. Um, but here's the here's the interesting thing though, there is a group of Navajos though that are on the the western side, western part, western Navajo, um, which is typically like uh, I'd say I don't know the west half of, of the Navajo Nation mm-hmm. that were not that did not. Um, have to go to Fort Sumner because because uh, Kit Carson and then the and the army couldn't go that far um, west because mm-hmm. the, the last post was um, Fort Defiance, which is near the capital of the of the Navajo Nation. Mm-hmm. That was the furthest outpost. But if they went farther, then they would they obviously they'll you know overextend themselves. So there's right. a, there's a sect of Navajos that say that well we never surrendered to the federal government. We don't, we don't agree with the Treaty of 1868, which is the treaty between the Navajo Nation and the federal government, right? That mm-hmm. allowed us Navajo people to come back to, well, at least my ancestors, right. they allowed my ancestors to come back to our, our land, okay? So, so, you know, you think about that, and I'll be honest with you, um, on, on, within my lineage, 
because of that assimilate, because of that forced march <clears throat> and somewhere on our way, on the way back, uh, one of my, my, one of my ancestors was, uh, was, um, was raped by a, oh, a Spanish conquistador. So in, in, in my lineage, I, we have Spanish blood, mm-hmm. right? Um, in fact, even within our Navajo clans, there's, there's the clans of, of the Spanish clan or the Hopi clan or mm-hmm. the, the Zuni clan or, the, or any of the Pueblo clans, right? So right. But anyway, that happened. So there was a lot of trauma that existed. And that's why if you, if you look at a lot of research currently, there's a lot of historical trauma because of these events that happened. Mm-hmm. And, you know, you, um, you know, you want us to be citizens, but you tried to eradicate us. And there are Navajos that still struggle with that to this day. And I'm and I'm sure it's not just the Navajo Nation. I'm sure it's you know Native Americans in general. Just they they struggle with that because even now, t- still today, it's not. You know, I, I know they're supposed to be sovereign nations, but it's it's only to a point. And I, you know, even still today, they're. You know, I, I was reading about the uh, Blackfoot tribe up in North Dakota. They just a couple of years ago won the rights to the water on their own land from the U S government. And I, I mean, that stuff is still happening today. And I, I, you know, I, I see that struggle because, you know, it's kind of like what we talked about earlier about the subcultures. You have your own culture within the bigger culture, but the bigger culture doesn't quite help with, with the subculture, you know, and, They've, they, the government has, has forced the Native Americans to kind of rely on it, but at the same time, they don't want to help. And it's, that, and it's a big struggle. That's, that's exactly true. Okay. So, and again, I remember I talked about the Treaty of 1868. So, it, which, by the way, this happens many, this happens probably. With every native nation, mm-hmm. this has happened where they came up with, with a treaty and there's, you know, there's memes out there. No treaty has ever been upheld, right? No. No treaty has. Our treaty hasn't. But that's where, and you're right, uh, Navajo, the Navajo Nation just won water rights back in the 1980s. Mm-hmm. So we've been, we have water rights since, uh, you know, 1980. What's that, 40, 40 years? Right. So, um, but here's the other thing is... Um, you know, there's a lot of things that are embedded in those treaties, right? There's, a, there's, um, uh, you I mean you look at the the Node Apple, right? You look at the Dakota Access Pipeline, right? We're just forcing through native lands, yes, right? I mean, people would freak out if someone just said, "Oh, you know, I have, I own my property here in Farmington, right?" It just big puzzle would go just, right through. Right. Someone can't just go right through my property, right? There's property rights, and yep. that's that part where. A lot of native. Uh, I know this is a little bit of politics, but but I, mean, okay. I don't know how you can set how you can. You can't really separate, separate it because them. I right. mean it's 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 part of the history of right. Native American cultures and and U.S. history. Right, right. So I think that's a, a big part of of, uh, of our history as well. Is is um, I guess that conflict that has existed mm-hmm. with the federal government. Um, so uh, you know, and, and then a little bit further into our history is. Whenever they forced and, and took kids off the reservation and put them in boarding schools, yeah, right. I mean, God, like, what what family would be okay with? Oh, we're going to take your kids and and ship them to Carlisle, Pennsylvania, right, right. three thousand miles away or two thousand miles away, right? I mean, it's like, like who 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 thought that was okay? Who, who how? Yeah, right. So and then you know, like they would take. They would take Navajo kids and take them to Denver, Albuquerque, Phoenix, and put mm-hmm. them in, in these boarding schools, Riverside Indian School, and they would put them on trains and buses. And oh, you can't, you can't be with your family. Right, right? and it was, it was. I, I think it was a little more than that too. It was basically, well, if this doesn't happen, then you know this is going to get taken away, and that's going to get taken away, and these, you know, all these. Th- there was consequences for it. Look, if you're not going to assimilate we're going to take all this stuff away from you and you're going to have to deal with it or you can assimilate. And, you know, it, it just, it's, it wasn't fair. It's still not fair in my opinion, you know, and I know, you know, and I know I'm not 
from any Native American culture, but it as as an anthropologist, I see this, and you know, looking at it, it that's a very dark part of U.S. history and Native American history that isn't taught. Yep, you know, that's absolutely we, we, true. we don't we don't teach that stuff in you know U.S history classes you know that that part is left out and it's not until you kind of go into the higher education where you start to learn about that stuff and so all of that is kind of left out because they don't want to they just don't want to teach how badly the native american population has been treated right and and i think that's why sometimes it's hard um, to separate the two because that's an integral part of of our history right Mm -hmm. at least at least from my perspective because um you know i don't know how else to tell it but to say hey this is what goes on i mean it's still going on i mean our our navajo people don't yeah we have a reservation but we don't own the subsurface rights right i mean ah. but but yet back in the 50s 1950s Right, they 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 mine uranium off of us. There's 570 some uranium mines still open, like on the reservation. Right, there's in fact there's one of the guys that I interviewed on my podcast. He said, you know, there's a lot of uranium seepage going on. Right? Mm-hmm. They didn't, they just mined it. Said, all right, see you later. Right, right. There's there's also um, issues with. Uh, and by the way, our, our reservation is rich of oil and gas and uranium and coal, mm-hmm. right? We have one of the largest coal basins just west of uh, west of my town here and uh, over towards Keante, Arizona. There was a big mine up there, which they went out because coal is declining, right? But right. but those subsurface rights, the, the Navajo people didn't own, right? right? Because, I mean, but yet... You want us to. You want us to be um, self-sufficient, but yet, whenever you look at wealth in America, wealth is based on land, right? If you own the land, we don't even own the land. The land is held in trust by the federal government. So that's right. something that's very unique about about Navajo people, and and um, you know that's why we really talk about being self-determination, self-determined, and being mm-hmm. self-determination, which is you know us trying to be self-reliant. Okay, but but I honestly I don't know how to separate the two. Because- I, I don't I don't think you can, you know, because it, you know there's there's the, the history before colonization and then the history after. And you can't, you can't go forward without talking about one or the other. And, you know, it's, it's like, you know, we talked about today. I mean, that stuff is still, still going on today. You know, I mean, I, I, if I'm not mistaken, the last boarding school for assimilation was only closed back in the 1970s. And so, I mean, that's, that stuff was still going on until, you know, 50 years ago. And, and I mean, that's not that long ago, you know? Yeah. And I think because of that, there's a lot of culture and everything that goes with the native American populations that has been lost because of that assimilation, you know, you have a decline in fluent speakers of the language, you know, I was reading that. I think there was only, about 2,500 Navajo people that are actually fluent in the language, which, I mean, that's, that's not, you know, that's, that's not that, that's not that much. Right. And I think that's, you know, I think about that and I think that's part of assimilation. Right. But the thing was, is there was a part, there were there, whenever the boarding school was happening, uh, natives, Indigenous people, or in this case, Navajo people, if they spoke their native language, mm-hmm. right, their, their mouth was washed out with soap, mm-hmm. right? Or they were they were whacked with a right. ruler, right? If we spoke our native language. But there's an irony there, though, because whenever World War II happened, yes. <laughs> our code talkers using the Navajo language saved 
World War Two. Uh, and I and I completely agree. And I was, you know, when we when you just started talking about speaking it in schools, that that the first thing that popped in my mind was, you know, World War Two. The Navajo speakers with the codes, nobody could break that because it it was such, you know, that that language was specific to one area that nobody else knew it, and they couldn't break that code, and that helped win the war. But yet, even still, we were trying to get away from it. You know, it just doesn't, it doesn't make sense. Yeah. Yeah. See, that's why it, it's just ironic to me because, you know, um, you know, every code before was broken, right? Mm-hmm. It was, it was never broken actually, whenever they declassified it, I think like maybe 19, 1990 or 2000, once I think it's a 50 year period for declassifying that mm-hmm. war stuff, but you know, it was never broken. And, and I think that's the power, the power of the Navajo language um, you know, there were other tribes that were taught, um, you know, the, the code as well. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, there, there's definitely, um, I guess, unity with, uh, you know, like I feel excited whenever there is a success with other nations and other Native nations because, you know, we say we share that same that uh, same story, that same trauma, right? That's right. So then whenever that there's that success very similar to the, to the Navajo code talkers, you, you feel, you feel good. You feel good right. inside about that. So, and I think, um, uh, you know, you, you are right. The Navajo language is declining. I think the last study I had seen was that uh, 35% of Navajos uh, still speak, uh, still speak Navajo. Okay. Mm-hmm. Um, but that has declined, um, I guess, uh, exponentially in the wrong direction. <laughs> right. Right. Um, but I mean, again, you know, that's, those are, the, there's a lot of, at least educationally on, on the reservation and with native uh, students, Navajo students, there's a lot of language emergence uh, trying to bring back. There's all, some dual language programs in Navajo where they're teaching in Navajo. So there's been, there's been that push, right? There's been that push to, to keep our language uh, going towards the future. In fact, I always remember my, my dad's mom, my Nola, always saying that, you know, in, in, I guess, one way that Navajos thought of it was that they thought the world would end whenever there was one language spoken, mm-hmm. right? So I think we're far from that, but, but you know, whenever you, um, a lot of our, a lot of our culture and the topics that we've talked about, that we're talking about today are rooted in our language, are rooted in our culture, because we can't have our culture without our language. We can't, right? people can't understand our, our creation story without the understanding of the Navajo language. So there's a definite, and, and again, this is why I said earlier, right? The, the keepers of the knowledge are, are our elders, right? Mm-hmm. They know, they know the entire story. They know, they know what we've been through. And, mm-hmm. um, but I think, I think, um, you know, even though, um, Navajo people, and even though I know the history of, of what we went through, like I feel, and I know there's not, I don't know how many people are out there like that, but I feel a sense of, of power of resilience because mm-hmm. like we weren't broken. Right. Like we weren't broken. We, we survive and we're thriving to this day. In fact, uh, I have an education background. And when I was in, when I was in grad school, right. The, the number of doctors and lawyers that are being produced uh, that are Navajo. Mm-hmm. The exp- it's an exponential growth curve for the number of doctors, lawyers, and professional degree people that are coming right. out of college. Just you know, because we've learned to, we've learned to understand how to live through. You through, found that um, balance, mainstream. yeah, the balance that exists. Um, but, but I think you know, you, you know, you look at that, and um, you know, a lot of a lot of what we do, you know, um, here here's one interesting ta- fact. So you know, a lot of people like, uh, you know, like. Navajo or, or fried bread, right? The, mm-hmm. like Navajo tacos or Indian tacos. However, there's a there's a conflict between Navajo Indian taco and Indian crunchy sauce and Indian tacos. Mm-hmm. Um, but you know that that came out of um, Navajos and indigenous people having to live off of federal government commodities, mm-hmm. and you know they they provided uh, Navajo people with flour and lard. So they mixed flour and water and a little bit of salt and I think baking powder, mm-hmm. and they created fry bread. So that you know the fry bread is is essentially came because of because we were in basically internment camps, uh, you know during 
during the conflicts. Right. Um, so, you know, that, that, you know, our food kind of, there's, there's a, there's, I guess, irony there too, because it kept us alive when we were at mm-hmm. Fort Sumner, but yet now because we're over consuming it, we have diabetes and we're dying because of obesity. And that is where we are going to end episode five. A, uh, we did get a cut off and that's where it ended. I do hope you guys are enjoying the show and are learning some new information about different cultures around the world. Uh, folks, remember to follow us on Facebook and Instagram as I do put out additional content that goes out with the show. Uh, if you want to be on the show, please uh, message me on either platform or you can email me at culturepology5 at gmail.com. And if you're listening on Apple Podcast, uh, please leave a five-star review as it does help out the show. And I, again, I do hope you guys are enjoying the show. So as I always say, people don't feel the smile on your face. It's the smile of our hearts that people feel. Have a good night, everyone. Mm-hmm.